Well, hey, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Leif, and I have the privilege of getting to share with you this morning from Acts chapter 10. Pastor Joe asked me to speak. I uh, got to be a pastor here. I had the privilege of being here for 18 years, so some of you out there may recognize me. So, hi! It's good to see you again. Uh, and for those of you that don't know me, good to see you too. Uh, it is a privilege to be here in Acts 10. Uh, Joe tells me that uh, it's going through the book of Acts, the early church, through a series called Launch. And so I think this is a really, this is a tough, uh, tough decision for me. But if I had to say what my favorite book of the Bible is, I think it would be Acts. So, uh, I'm very excited that I get to be here and talk about Acts 10. Acts 10 is a great chapter in the book of Acts, and so it just worked out real well. So thanks for joining uh, wherever you're at and whatever time you're watching this. It's great to have you with us today. Uh, the story of, uh, of Acts is the story of Cornelius, uh, the centurion, and how God poured out his spirit on the Gentiles. And it's a, it's a really big deal. Uh, story in the book of Acts, uh, and really for the entire early church. This was the defining moment that pushed the mission of God forward uh, like nothing else had up to that point. Uh, you remember in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus says uh, that the disciples are going to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world, right? Um, well, how's that going to happen? Well, now we see in Acts 8, I'm assuming you probably talked about that two or three weeks ago, we see that persecution breakout after the, uh, the martyrdom of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And the, uh, early church, or the Christians spread out all over the place, right? You remember that? They scattered, and as they went places, they started to share about Jesus. And so we see the fulfillment of Jesus' command in Acts 1.8 to Jerusalem, and then out to Judea, and out to even Samaria, the story of Philip. Uh, when he was in Samaria, I think you guys already covered that, probably in Acts 8 as well, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. And so we see this happening uh, also in Acts chapter 8 with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and how he then, as a Christian, was baptized, and he was going back to Ethiopia, and I'm sure shared as well his faith. And then, of course, Acts 9 and the miraculous conversion of Saul, uh, who became Paul. Uh, in fact, Acts 9.15 um, the Lord says to Saul, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, that's that uttermost part of the world, and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. So we've had, leading up this point, this fulfillment of Acts 1.8 in, um, in, um, in doing that. And so Acts 1.8 and then Acts 2.4, the falling of the Holy Spirit, empowering them to do the work of the ministry, to be witnesses as Jesus has called them to be. Uh, so Acts 10 is like the tipping point, if you will, where it all comes pouring out. And so I want to take an opportunity this morning to uh, share with you, rather than really like a, a normal teaching or a sermon or a message, uh, more like a conversational type of a story uh, that I want to share with you, kind of going through Acts 10 just verse by verse and making some comments on it. This is sometimes called the running running commentary method of uh, preaching a sermon. And it's my understanding that Dwight Moody is one of the first people that actually started doing this. Uh, and his, his uh, thinking behind it was just making the Bible very accessible and easy uh, for the ordinary person to understand. And that's kind of how I need to learn and hear the Bible myself. So I'm appreciative of Dwight Moody. In fact, um, many of you know, obviously, Pastor Darrell 
And one of the things that I've always appreciated about him is uh, I say that Pastor Daryl is able to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. You know, and what I mean by that is that you can have these, these things that are hard to understand or they at least seem like they're difficult to understand. And then uh, theological topics and just other, you know, issues that we're talking about. They seem complicated and then Pastor Daryl's in the room and he begins to talk about that and all of a sudden it makes it very simple and easy to understand. So I've always said one of his giftings, though it may not be necessarily listed in the Bible, one of his giftings is that he puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. So it's my hope this morning that uh, I will also be able to put the cookies uh, on the bottom shelf, obviously with the Holy Spirit's help in doing that. So uh, appreciate again the opportunity to do this with you. And uh, can we just take a moment and let's pray together? Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us uh, as we study His Word. Jesus, we come before you. We want to say thank you for the opportunity uh, to take some time here over these next several minutes, Lord, just to look at your Word. Uh, it is alive and active, uh, sharper than any double-edged sword. And so, Lord, we would open our minds and our hearts. Actually, we'd ask you to open our minds and our hearts to receive what you are saying to us today, Lord God. Speak, Lord, for listening. And Lord, we want to not just be hearers of your word, but help us to be doers as well. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You ready to go? Uh, we're going to be moving quickly here. Acts uh, chapter 10 has quite a bit in it, so let's get going on this. I'm going to just be following my Bible's outline of the passage, and I will be reading uh, from the New Living Translation of the Bible, which might be a little bit different if you're King James or NIV or, or something else. Uh, but hopefully, you'll be able to follow along pretty closely uh, with me. Uh, I'm going to read the first eight verses. It says, In Caesarea there lived a Roman, excuse me, a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. All right, let's stop there for a moment. And I'm just going to kind of comment on those verses, as I told you, with this uh, running commentary method of studying the Bible. The first thing uh, that really hits home for me as I, as I look at that is that Cornelius and his whole household, it talks about his household, his family, were seen and known by God. Now remember, there was lots of Roman soldiers uh, serving right, all across the Roman Empire at this time. And for uh, God to say, here is a devout, God-fearing, generous man, it just really encourages me amongst all the people, even though this guy was outside of the, uh, the faith, right, the, uh, the Jewish faith, God still saw him. And sometimes I think that we, you know, feel like, man, is God still you know, around? Am I still on his radar? Does God see what's go what I'm going through? Um, I'm, I feel like I'm treading water here, but I'm not making any progress. I'm not saying that's necessarily how Cornelius felt. But what's encouraging to me is Cornelius was seen by God. 
so much so that in fact he sent him uh, this angel to speak to him. And he knew even this Gentile who was outside the faith of uh, Judaism. I love too that it says that he prayed regularly. Man, don't, don't miss that part right there. Uh, Dwight Moody, who is one of my favorite guys, and I know one of Pastor Darrell's favorites as well. In fact, he's a graduate of Moody Bible Institute, so I know he's a big fan of Mr. Moody as well. Dwight Moody said, when I pray, I talk to God. But when I read the Bible, God is talking to me. I believe we should know better how to pray if we knew our Bibles better. As a pastor, I would hazard a guess that uh, Pastor Joe, uh, probably is, this is his experience, Pastor Darrell, uh, over the years I've counseled so many people and I talk about God speaking to me and my prayer life and they always look at me and go, man, you, you make that sound uh, so normal and so just like every day and you know, how do you hear God's voice? How do you know? And one of the, the main things I would say to you if you struggle with that, hearing God's voice and knowing when He's speaking to you, is spend time in God's Word. And if you spend time in God's Word, guarantee you will hear God's voice. Uh, you may not experience it right in that moment. Sometimes I read the Bible and the words jump off the page at me and the Holy Spirit is there. It's holy ground. Other times I read the Bible and it's like taking my vitamins. You know, I took them. I don't feel any different, but I know they did good. And so, uh, but the Holy Spirit will use that again later on in my life. So I just want to encourage you uh, in that as well. Cornelius is a great example of that. I love, too, that it, has, it says here that as was everyone in his household. That's impressive to me that it talks about how his whole family, his whole household was involved in that. And uh, the Greek word there for household is actually the word oikos, not the yogurt. This, is, this means uh, your household, O-I-K-O-S. I want to hit on that a little bit later, but just make a note of that as well. We'll come back to that. Uh, another thing that I, I pick up from this passage is that God is always at work but we aren't always paying attention. Let me say that again. God is always at work, but we aren't always paying attention. Uh, John talks about this, uh, John 5, 17, where Jesus says, my father is always at, working, uh, always at work and I'm with him. I'm working with him. You know, God's always working around us. But oftentimes, I won't speak for you, but for myself, you know, I got this to go to, that to go to, and I'm a pastor. And I get caught up in all the busyness of all the things that I'm supposed to take care of and do this and run this errand and meet with this person. And I miss sometimes, I think, what God has for me right there in that moment because I'm not sensitive to His Spirit that He's always at work. So there's something there, I think, for us as well. In fact, my theme verse, I've adopted a theme verse for years now where I, I go um, November, December, and I pray and I'm asking God to give me a verse for the next year. And for 2021, the verse was Luke 24, 32. You remember, uh, that's the story of the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they didn't realize it was Jesus. This is after he rose from the dead and he's walking with them and he's explaining the scriptures to them that, that prophesied about him and his death and, and his uh, crucifixion and his resurrection. And says they finally got back to a house and they're sitting down. It says Jesus broke the bread. And when he did that, da -da -da -da, right? they all of a sudden realized this was Jesus. And this is the verse for 32. They say to each other, didn't our hearts burn the whole time he was with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And so I've asked God to give me that same burning heart 
for fellowship, for communion, for intimacy with him through his word and through prayer and so forth. Um, because he's always at work and I want to be paying attention to him, you know, whether, whether, you know, it's a Sunday or a Tuesday or I'm going through the, the drive through at McDonald's, you know, whatever it might be, God is always at work and he wants to use me. He wants to use you you know, wherever we're at and whatever we're doing. The book of Acts is not just a book for then and there. The book of Acts is a book for here and now. And the reason is, is because probably in your Bible, in my Bible, it says the title is the Acts of the Apostles. But the truth is, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that used Cornelius, and we will see uses Peter in Acts chapter 10, is the same Holy Spirit that wants to use you and wants to use me. So that's what we want to um, be sensitive to him in those moments and be used by him. Uh, the same God here in Acts is the same God that is here in Rochester as well. So let's keep going here. This is verse uh, 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. And standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I am the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night, and the next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and called together his relatives and close friends. By the way, that's that word oikos again. That's that same idea of your household. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, Four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Man, 
That's good stuff. That makes for good TV right there, right? You got what's going on with uh, Cornelius and the angels showing up, and then you got Peter up on a roof and his blanket coming down and these guys showing up uh, at his house right below at that time and the knock on the door. I mean, this is great. This is great TV right here if we want to do a TV show on this. So, um, so understand here that what Peter was doing violated the very heart of the religious rules that he had grown up under, that he had lived, that he had honored for his entire life, right? Uh, if, I can, if I can use this analogy, this would be like us Seahawk fans being sent to the Packer fans. This would be like me putting on a Packers jersey and having to deal with that, or a 49ers jersey. This would be, and of course you know I jest, I love Pastor Joe. I know he's a Packers fan. That's why I use that illustration. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the truth is, this was way worse than that. But I'm just trying to explain to you, this was completely something that was wrong for Peter. It would be like me rooting uh, for, the, for the 49ers or Packers when they were playing for the Seahawks. Like, what are you doing? This goes against everything that you've ever been or ever known. Uh, so you can hear it in his response. He says, no, Lord, I would do, uh, I would never do something. This is impure. This is unclean. And, uh, this is why Peter, I think God gave him the vision three times, right? If I had to wear a Packers jersey, I'd probably have that three times too. God have to tell me to do that. All right. So you can see how big a deal, uh, this way, uh, how big of a deal this was, uh, all the way around because of these extreme measures that God was using. And did you catch how there was this already this, this shift in Peter's thinking? I don't know if you picked up on this, but in verse 23, let me go back and read this real quick again to you. It says here, so Peter invited the men to stay for the night. Right there, that was, what did you just do? That would, you do not invite Gentiles into your home. That, that eating with them, staying the night, that implies, especially in that culture, but even for us, when you get this, that implies acceptance, that you're accepting them. So that would have been a huge no-no for any Jew to have done that. And so you can already see with Peter that he's making that, um, that paradigm shift in his thinking. Uh, Peter's arrival then, as we, as we read here, uh, echoes the same issues. Cornelius calls together his relatives, his friends, his close friends. Again, that's that idea of his household or his oikos. And I, I, I told you I'd get back to this, and I really quick just want to hit on that word because I think it's powerful. Uh, the word oikos, which means, again, uh, your, your, your household, not just your family, not just your biological family that live in your household. We think your household or just the people that live in the same four walls with me. But back in that day, of course, it would have been um, uh, his servants, you know, uh, oftentimes, and even today, like in other cultures, um, been on mission trips to different countries, and maybe you have two, and a lot of times the whole clan, right? Uncles and aunts and grandparents are all living kind of in a pretty close community. And so the household would have been a whole bunch of people. That's why I said he gathered everybody up and they're all waiting for him when Peter gets there. And what I want to point out to you there is that speaks really highly of Cornelius and what the influence, the impact that he had on those people in his life. At Evergreen, we have, a, we have this principle we call this oikos principle that God has strategically and supernaturally um, placed about 8 to 15 people on average for us. You could go lower than that, you go higher, but in general, about 8 to 15 people that God has supernaturally and strategically placed on the front row seat of your life. 
These would be obviously people that live in the house with you, but it could also be coworkers. It could be neighbors. Obviously, it could be people at church. Uh, it could be family members. It could be friends. For those of you that are going to school, it could be other students. But these 8 to 15 people, God has strategically and supernaturally placed on the front row seat of your life so that you can bless them. Right? You can be praying for them. You can serve them. Um, you can eat together with them. You can basically be Jesus in their lives, whether they're a Christian or not. And uh, we actually have this card even that we've put together where uh, we ask you to, to list names and to pray for these people on a regular basis. I have found this as a powerful tool in my life for God to use me to bear witness of His light to the people in my oikos, whether that's my wife or my son, who I see every day, or whether it's my neighbor, D, who I don't see too often, but I see him enough that I'm able to have a really cool relationship and friendship with him. So I love that Cornelius had that kind of influence that when he talked about this vision, people didn't say, well, that's weird. But they said, man, we know this guy. We know his heart. We know his, his uh, story. We know he cares about us. He said that this is a big deal. We're all going to show up at the house so we can see what's going on. Speaks very well of Cornelius. Let me keep going here. Notice this too. Uh, God used angels and visions before this, right? With Cornelius, he sent an angel. And with uh, Peter, he gave him this vision of this blanket coming down. But, but what does he use now? He used Peter. And I think that's a powerful thing for us. To, he chose Peter to usher in the most incredible moment in church history of him saying the Gentiles are now going to become part of the body of Christ. We see Cornelius falls at Peter's feet to worship. And Peter says, hey, I'm just a guy like the rest of us. This, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm not all that. And what qualified Peter for this wasn't that he was an angel. wasn't that he had had visions or dreams or anything. It was that, yeah, he was just a regular guy. And man, I don't know if that encourages you, but it encourages me. Because I'm just a regular guy. Uh, I'm not even Peter. Uh, I struggle. I, I mess up. I, I do this when I want to do that. I don't do this. Like Paul wrote in, in Romans chapter 7. You know, I have all kinds of issues and, and weaknesses and struggles and challenges. And we think that disqualifies us to be used by God. And in fact, God says, ah, that's what I need. Right? The Apostle Paul wrote, it's through our weaknesses that His power is made perfect. So I will boast all the more my weaknesses so that His power might rest on me. And of course, the cool thing is that when we operate through our weaknesses and God's power works through us, guess who gets the glory for that? That'd be Him, right? Not us. And so it's a win-win. It's a we get used and God gets the glory. It doesn't get much better than that. So Peter is a Jew coming into Cornelius' house who's a Gentile. Um, and I believe that, you know, that's, that's probably one of the greatest miracles in the book of Acts. Even though we would not categorize this as a miracle, right? We've seen people speak in tongues. We've seen uh, Peter, if I recall correctly, has raised somebody from the dead at this point. I mean, there's been all kinds of incredible miracles. Shadows falling on people and they're healed. But in that moment, for Cornelius and Peter to come together and for the Holy Spirit to bring them together and to bring that type of breaking down those walls and that they're all one. Man, wouldn't we love to see that miracle happen in our country today? Wouldn't we love to see that miracle even happening in the church today? Right? What we talk about is mask, no mask. Vaccination, no vaccination. You know, this, that, the other. 
What we need is this same type of miracle happening in our churches and in our country and in our world today. So I am so um, profoundly both encouraged by this and profoundly convicted by this passage of Scripture and how God did this through Peter. We, we want to be Peter, right? We want to be Peter to those people in our lives um, and in our world. We want to be witnesses of them. We don't want to be sources of division. We want to be sources of reconciliation. All right, let me get going because I know my time's uh, running out here. I'm going to continue in verse, I think we left off at verse uh, 34. So let me get there. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened through, uh, throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were pressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging on the cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear not to the general public, but to us from God, whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this portion. I think that's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's awesome stuff, but there's nothing there, uh, hopefully, that uh, stands out too much as, ver as new information necessarily. He is just sharing the gospel message. Um, it's no favoritism. All nations, good news. Jesus anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Um, and the way that uh, they, um, you know, the, 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 um, what am I trying to say? The basic message of the gospel, which is this. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus was uh, crucified on a cross and died. He rose from the dead on the third day. He ascended to heaven and he's coming back. We get a lot of other things <laughs> where people get upset with each other in church. We have a lot of denominations that have problems, but I'm not your pastor, so I hope I'm not saying anything here. And Joe can correct me later if, if I was wrong, but I think if, if we just subscribe to those things, all this other stuff, if people say, I believe those six things, you're my brother, you're my sister. Uh, in Romans, the Apostle Paul uh, says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So again, I would just say to you a word of uh, exhortation that amidst all of the, uh, the contention and the ugly things that have been said, and, and especially by Christians to other Christians, especially on social media. We need to remember what really unites us is the cross, the gospel, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, the coming again of our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's not uniting us whether we're Republicans or Democrats. It doesn't unite us whether we're vacciners or non-vacciners or maskers or not maskers. And you get where I'm going with that. I'm not saying it's not okay to have convictions about those things. But I would say it's not okay to soil the name of Jesus in other people's eyes by the way our attitude and our actions are. And sometimes even myself can start to go that way. So I'm not, I'm not preaching to anybody more than myself on that, but I believe that's, that's what the Holy Spirit would say to us. Uh, let me keep going here and uh, we'll finish up. Um, hopefully, 
uh, what I've shared there with that running commentary, uh, there's one or two things there that stand out to you. There's just a few uh, more verses here at the end. I won't cover them. It talks about how the uh, Holy Spirit fell on these Gentile believers and they spoke in tongues. I'm guessing that uh, Pastor Joe already covered that quite extensively in the book of Acts, so I'm not even going to address that issue. I'm sure if you have questions, you can ask him or go back and watch one of the previous uh, teachings that he gave on that. Uh, but that was the proof in the pudding that these were believers. That's why when the Holy Spirit fell, they spoke in tongues. Peter said, is there anybody that can stop these guys from being baptized? Obviously, they're Christians because the Holy Spirit's been poured out upon them. Now, what I would say to you is, how do people know that we're Christians? Probably not, you know, when you go into work, you're necessarily speaking in tongues, right? <laughs> I'm probably not going out mowing my lawn with my neighbor there speaking in tongues. So how, what is the evidence that the Holy Spirit is in us. Like when Peter said, who can deny these guys are Christians? They've been given the Holy Spirit. I want to have an aroma of Christ in my life that people know. Now, they might not accept it. The Apostle Paul wrote, to some we're the aroma of life and to others we're the aroma of death. It's not on us whether people accept us or reject us, but the aroma of Christ is in our lives. And that's what I would encourage uh, all of us to continue to pursue with that. So I just want to finish challenging you. Uh, remember, God sees you and he knows your story like he did Cornelius's. It didn't matter that uh, Cornelius was a Roman soldier. He was not disqualified from God's kingdom. The devil is really good about telling us all the reasons in our lives why we're not qualified. And you know what? When he says it to me, you know what? I, I agree with him because he's, he's right. <laughs> when he points out my sin and my failure and my unbelief and all these reasons why I let alone, I'm not, I shouldn't be a pastor, but let alone, I shouldn't, you know, I'm not living for Christ, period. And I, I tell him, yeah, you're right. That's why I praise God, because it's not about me. It's about His mercy and His grace and His Spirit working through me. Mm -hmm. And so just like He used Cornelius, He wants to use us. You know, not many of us have dreams or visions or see angels. Um, that's not the norm for us. But you know what? It should be the norm. Reading our Bible. Well, you know, it should be the norm, spending time seeking his face. Uh, I just encourage you to make it that a habit in your life if you are not doing that. It's important to do that. Uh, how about your oikos? Maybe that's a totally new idea to you. Maybe it's not, but thinking about those 8 to 15 people that God has supernaturally and strategically placed on the front row seat of your life, I would encourage you, uh, you don't you know, have to do it like me, but maybe just pray over that and see if there's a you know, Holy Spirit and you talk about it. There's a list of people that He brings to mind that you can begin to just pray for and bless them and look for ways to serve them. By the way, let me say this. That list is not a project list for me. This isn't me saying, okay, Lord, here's these nine people that I want to try to get saved. That list is, God, just help me to love these people like you do. What happens is up to you and them. It's not me trying to get the check off the box to say, okay, now this person became a Christian. It's me just wanting to love those people with the love of Christ that I've experienced myself. You know, the Bible, excuse me, not the Bible, but I've heard this saying before. Most likely, um, you are the only Bible some people will ever read. You've probably heard that before, too. I think that's, there's truth to that. And this is how God does His greatest miracles, using Cornelius, using Peter, using me, using you. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Uh, let me close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank You for this time. Thank You for Your Word. Um, it's powerful. These, these 
These words were written so many years ago, and these stories were recorded so many years ago. Yet because we serve Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, these words, they have life. So we intentionally, Lord, say, speak to us, Spirit. We submit ourselves to the authority of the Word of God and the authority of the Holy Spirit right now. Help us not just to hear your word, but help us to respond to it, whatever that looks like. And we would say thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And God bless you. Thank you for being here.